remain standing for the reading of God's word today, Sarah Sternberg. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God." And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, The baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Deep. Thank you, Sarah. Well, good morning. A beautiful theme in the Gospel of Luke is his concern for people. More than any other Gospel, you see Luke name names. And you see a special concern from Luke about women, children, and the poor. Uh, and, and why those people? Those, those were those that were disregarded many times in ancient days, in the days of the Bible. But He is saying the gospel has come to the poor. He has come to rescue those who even didn't have much of a voice in society back then. And and what does this say about our God, that he recognizes people, that he recognizes names? I want us to see that even though God is transcendent, he is high and he is infinitely above us, he comes near and he knows you. 
He knows you by name, and he sees you, and he cares about you. And I, I just love that about the Gospel of Luke. And, and may God help us, because as we see today, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And, and we're told in James to humble ourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. That's what we're told. And we need help. We need help to be humble. We need God's help. And... and um, I don't care what you have in your bank account. I don't care what you have as possessions. We are utterly dependent upon God for every breath. And may you be reminded today that naked we came into this world and naked we will depart. Every breath is dependent upon him. And and last week I told you this story about how prideful I was, that I wasn't able to take instruction from my father who was just trying to teach me simple lessons of how to do some farm work. And, and his gracious response to me uh, when I apologized, but I, that displayed the default position of my heart, which was proud. Proud. I didn't come to Christ until I was 20, and, and pride is the most dangerous sin that we have because God hates it. And we can't see it. Uh, and even in scripture, when we are instructed about pride, we weaponize that and use it against others instead of us becoming more humble. Pride is a dangerous sin and we need God to bring us low so that we can hear and that we can respond in the right way to God's word. And, and I was a proud young man. I, and, and something that's that the proud do is they imagine themselves to be something that they're not. I imagined myself to be awesome when I was a teenager. I I imagined myself to need nothing. I, I did not need God. I didn't want God, but God was gracious to me to break me down. And that's that started in March of 2004. Um, 2000, March of 2004, I got a phone call from my dad. And he told me that my grandfather was dying. And that was the closest family member to me that I had a close relationship with that was on his way into eternity. And, and this is still odd to me, but my baseball friends, uh, they called me up and they said, hey, we're going to go to a movie tonight. It's like, okay, great. Uh, where are we going? What are we going to see? And he said, The Passion of the Christ. I'm like, what? Why? Why that movie? Uh, none of us were saved, but they're like, no, we want to see it. And, and so I was standing in the theater, get this phone call from my dad, and then we walk into this movie, and I had grown up in church, and, and something that the passion of the Christ doesn't answer is why Jesus did all of that. But I knew. I knew that Jesus had died for me. He had gone through that for me, and I wept my way through that movie. One, because of my grandfather dying in two because I, had, I knew I had rejected this one that had done such a beautiful work for me. It was breaking me down. I didn't know what to do with all these emotions. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know how to handle them. And I got in my car and I remember thinking that, like what do I do with all of this? And right in front of me, a license plate said pray. And that freaked me out. I remember gripping the wheel saying, ha, 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 like, he's coming after me. And, and uh, I, I was like zombie-like. I remember coming home and sitting on the couch and my roommates would come home and they just found me in an empty dark room staring off to nothing. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't think so. But still, my pride, I would not bow my knee to Jesus Christ. And, and my plan A through Z in life was to be a baseball player showing the pride of my heart. And in the May of that year, I, I got hurt, um, tearing all the cartilage in my left shoulder, unable to play in the playoffs that year. I would need surgery. And so I saw my dream slipping through my fingers. And, and again, God taking this proud heart and bringing me low. And, and after a series of terrible decisions, again, not being a Christian, wound up with me being arrested and losing my license for a year. So any illusions of pride were gone, and I was brought low. Remember, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Well, God graciously takes some proud hearts and brings them low. Let's pray. God, we need you today.
We need you to graciously show us the pride of our hearts. Lord, you say that you oppose the proud, but give grace to the humble. Lord, and the humble, you will exalt. And so, Lord, we, we can't see our pride on our own. We need your grace. And Lord, you are the humble servant exalted. And so we come to you and we ask for you to open our eyes and our hearts to hear your word and respond in a way that would please you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we go through today's message, Luke means for us to compare John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. Here's a summary. Here's a summary. John is great. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. So reflection number one, the humble servant exalted would be born of a virgin. This is found in verses 26 through 38. So right in verse 26, we see in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. This is picking up from last week. And what do we got? We've got Gabriel sent from God to a city named Nazareth. Now, I love Gabriel who stands in the presence of the Lord. I love this guy, uh, this angel, that the, he does not move until the Lord sends him, and then he moves right away. I, I want you to remember what he says to Zechariah. I stand in the presence of God. And so this message that Gabriel brings to Mary is from the very throne room of the Ancient of Days. This message is from God's throne. And, and it comes to a humble city, is what it says. The city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is called a city perhaps because there's no Greek name for town. Uh, you should not think booming metropolis when you think the city of Nazareth. Uh, in, the, in the current day, it was thought, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This is a humble town to a humble girl is going to come this amazing announcement. And Mary's name means exalted one, which is amazing. And then the Bible tells us something strange. She's a virgin, betrothed. Why would the Bible tell us this? And I just want to tell you, as you're reading the scripture, the Bible does not waste words. It tells us things for a, pur for a reason and for a purpose. And so when it says that Mary is a virgin, let that not be lost on you. First of all, that Mary is somewhere between 12 and 15 years old. Let that sink in. Uh, Mary is somewhere between 12 and 15 years old, and she's about to conceive the Son of God miraculously through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we should see uh, not only did God open the womb of Elizabeth, who was past the, the age of childbearing, but now God's going to bring his son through a virgin. Amazing. And why is this important? Because this is not an ordinary child. God is bringing his son into the world. The divine, Jesus, we, we don't realize he's without a body. He is spirit, and now he's going to mingle the divine and add humanity forever to his deity. This is an amazing thing. And then it says that Mary was betrothed. That is engagement, but it's legally binding. It's way different than our engagement. You had to get divorced if you were going to leave betrothment. And then it says that she was betrothed to Joseph of the house of David. Again, the Bible doesn't waste words. Luke is making use of every word. Why is it important that Joseph is from the house of David? Well, first, Jesus would have no earthly biological father, but he would legally be Joseph's from the house of David. Why is that important? Well, right away, we're told in this narrative that Mary is a virgin and her, her soon-to-be husband is from the house of David, and this is explosive to the careful reader of the Old Testament. Because the Messiah is coming from a virgin, from the house of David. And here we go. In this narrative, we see Luke is screaming to Theophilus, you can be certain that this is the one who we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is the anointed one from God. And then we see verses 28 through 33 
the message from Gabriel to Mary. 20, 28 and 29, if you look there, uh, it starts with his greeting before he gets into the message. He says, greetings, and this can be translated, hail. So this is where some faith traditions come up with hail Mary. But this would have been read back to the people in the New Testament. This would have been understood to be nothing more than just a normal greeting. This is a normal way to greet people back in the day. And then it says, oh, favored one. The angel says, greetings, oh, favored one. Well, when Gabriel told Mary that she was to be greatly favored, this teenage or pre-teenage girl had no idea how great of a favor from God that she was about to receive. She was about to become pregnant with God's only son. But we should not see, oh, favored one, and think that it's due to any particular, particular qualities found in Mary, that she merited this favor. See, God, God's choice is free. It's his unrestricted and uh, to give all of grace. We learned in our Exodus study that God has mercy upon whom he will have mercy and show compassion to whom he will show compassion. And there's a lot to admire about Mary. But there are a lot of virgin girls in Israel. And God chose to have favor upon Mary, not due to anything merited in her, but because of God's free choice. We need to see that. And, and some people see, again, in other faith traditions that Mary is full of grace and they pray to her or go to her to receive grace from God. And that, I think the, the person that would be most appalled by that is Mary herself. There's only one person that we can go to to receive grace from God, and it's not Mary. We go to one person, there's one mediator between God and man, and it's the man, Jesus Christ. It's the one that would be in her womb soon, is who we can go to to find grace from God. And then the message is, the Lord is with you. God's mighty blessing and power is with Mary. You know, we learn from the scriptures that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God is with us. But wouldn't it be nice to hear a, a message from an angel who stands in the presence of God and says, God is with you. I would take that. I would receive that. But as Mary hears this, she is greatly troubled at the saying. So her response to this amazing message, this amazing greeting is deep concern, fear, and confusion. The literal sense here, as you, as you see this, she says in verse 29, it says of her, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what source sort of greeting this might be. The literal sense of this is that she kept pondering what the meaning of this greeting would be. Now, I don't know whatever form Gabriel took when he was with Mary, but she wasn't scared of his presence like Zechariah. Zechariah was freaked out by the presence of the angel. Mary, that's not what it says of her here. It says that she was uh, concerned about the greeting. She meditated on this greeting. And this speaks to her humility. She could not understand why she would be greeted with such favor from heaven. She pondered it. She could not understand it. She was trying to figure out what this greeting could mean. And don't miss this. This is truly remarkable. This, this young and inexperienced girl was reflective and meditative. And I believe we live distracted and shallow most of the time. We distract ourselves. We live distracted. As I was walking um, through the grocery store and I was seeing families together, some shopping and just some on the phone, I, I just, we're never present. We're always looking to get out, looking to not be where we are. And Mary we could learn a lot. We would do well to contemplate Mary's depth of soul at 12 years old. She was meditative and reflective over this greeting. Verses 30 and verse 30 through 33 is the message. It starts with, do not be afraid. This is a common thing when everyone's freaked out when they see an angel. And, and when, it's, when they come to somebody, they... That's usually a good message in the scripture, and they say, do not be afraid. And again, he, he repeats, you found favor with God. And then he says, you will conceive and bear a son 
whom you should call Jesus. And the name Jesus means Savior. The name Jesus means Savior. And the the Hebrew uh, equivalent to Jesus is Joshua, which is very interesting. It's a very interesting thing that uh, Joshua in the Old Testament was the commander of the Lord's army. And his task in life was to conquer the land and bring God's people to the promised land. And here in the New Testament, there is a Savior named Jesus who is, who is now going to bring his people to the real promised land, the new Eden, to the kingdom that will never end. This Jesus, his name is Savior. In verse 32 and verse 33, we see a five-fold revelation about the Son who's to be named Jesus. And we see this real fast in verses Uh, 32 and 33, you see this. He will be great. He will be called son of the most high. He will be given the throne of David from his father. He will reign over the house of Jacob. And then for how long? Forever. We see this five-fold revelation of this child to be born of Mary. The first thing is he will be great. John the Baptist, it said that he will be great in the sight of the Lord. But then Jesus, unqualified, he will be great. He is greater than John. And, it, and my job, listen, is impossible. I don't know if you guys know that. This is an impossible job. How am I supposed to give you a glimpse of the greatness of this Jesus? The words fail when it comes to the greatness of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And, and, and it's a great thing for our Savior to be called great. And, and it starts, Jesus came to fulfill all the hopes and expectations of the people of God at his command. All of those, as we will see in the book of Luke, those oppressed by demons and by Satan himself, he frees and sets them free. Those who are blind will see at his, at his touch and at his command, the lame will walk. Listen, his greatness, he commands dead men out of the grave and they start living again. At Jesus' command, at his word, he can forgive sins and promise people heaven. This, This second person of the blessed Holy Trinity will allow himself as the author of life to be lifted up on a cross to bear sin that is not his own. The author of life allows himself to be buried in a tomb and on the third day of his greatness, he rose, defeating Satan, sin, death, and hell, and he rose glorious in a new type of existence, this glorified existence, as the Bible says, he's a first fruit showing what will happen to us who believe in Jesus Christ. We will rise from our grave who have believed in Jesus, and we will be transformed into his likeness and have an eternal body like his. Of his greatness, 40 days he spent on the earth after this glorious resurrection, making sure that his disciples were certain of his resurrection, certain about the teachings of the kingdom of God. And then of Jesus's greatness that Luke is starting to tell us, he floats into heaven. I don't know if you heard me. The man floated into heaven. And I love that the angels are like, what are you guys looking at? I don't know. The man floating into heaven. What are you looking at? And he was rightly crowned and coronated as the king of kings and lord of lords as he sits rightfully on his eternal throne at the father's right hand where he is interceding for you and I. Where he is preparing a place for us to go and Of his eternal kingdom, it says that sun, moon, and stars, their jobs are over. Because what will we walk by in his eternal kingdom is his glorious light. Yeah, I would say he's great. Yeah, I would say he is great. And he is called son 
of the Most High. And this means the Son of God. He will be given the throne of David, his father. And the Son of God will fulfill this promise of the one to sit on David's throne. Listen to this. 2 Samuel chapter 7, 12 and 13 says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. David, you're going to die. I'm going to raise up an offspring after you. Who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom? He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And here our passage today tells us that he will come from David's line. Why? To fulfill this verse. He will reign over the house of Jacob. Well, Jacob means Israel. And in Genesis 49, 10, it says, the scepter which comes with the kingdom shall not depart from Judah. And David descends from Judah, nor shall the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of all peoples. Here, Luke is telling us all of these things come together in Jesus Christ. This is an amazing announcement. And then the question becomes, well, how long will he reign? Because so many people would think that the Messiah is coming for a short, limited time. And here we hear from, from the angel Gabriel, the messenger from the presence of the Lord, the ancient of days, the answer forever. His kingdom will have no end. Listen, listen to Daniel 7, 13 and 14. And I believe that Daniel prophesies here about the ascension of Jesus Christ and then mention about his kingdom. Listen, verse 13, I saw, Daniel says, in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came, I think, in the ascension to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. How amazing of an announcement this is. This five-fold announcement of who Jesus is and will be. And here's Mary's response. She has a question slash concern in verse 34. We read this. When she said, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? This is literally translated, since I know no man. Her response, we're meant to parallel her response to Zechariah. Zechariah is rebuked for his unbelief, and he's muted here. And Mary is not rebuked, but she questions. And, and here I want you to see she is puzzled, not disbelieving. She's asking, how can this be? I've known no man. So she's puzzled, not disbelieving. And, and the angel's answer is amazing. This angel's answer is amazing to her. And he says in verse 35 and 36, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And again, we're meant to compare John the Baptist and Jesus here. Well, John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. How's Jesus greater? He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is greater. And this, this child will be called holy. The Son of God, if we read Isaiah 6, John, the Gospel John tells us of Isaiah's vision in chapter 6 is about Jesus. You know, where the, the train of the Lord's robe fills the temple and the seraphim, the, the angels with six wings, two covering their eyes, two covering their feet, and with two wings they fly, exclaim the the trisagion, the holy, holy, holiness of the Lord God Almighty. That's Jesus Christ. It's a vision of Jesus. So yeah, this child is holy. But I believe this announcement speaks not of his purity and of his transcendent holiness. I believe it's talking about him being anointed. That God, his Father, has set the Son apart and equipped him for a task, a particular task, that, that John the Baptist would exclaim that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus is holy. He's anointed. He's sent by God to reconcile holy God with sinful man. This is the mission 
that God sends his son on. And then Mary, he gives Mary some assurance here. He says in verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren for nothing is impossible with God. That would have been good assurance that he was giving to her. Like, I've already done the impossible. I can do greater things. Nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary's beautiful response that needs our time. And Mary said in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant or bondservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Listen. Mary is exemplary because of her submission to God's will. I I don't want you to underappreciate her willingness to say, let it happen to me according to your word. Because she's betrothed to be married, and now she's going to show up pregnant. And Joseph, as we learn from Matthew, will question her her legitimacy, and, and who could blame him? This has never happened before. She's saying, I'm still a virgin, but I'm with child. I, I resonate with Joseph there. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> sure. And the angel Gabriel shows up to tell Joseph, no, this child is from the Lord. So Joseph stays there. And, and we know that the Old Testament, even though it wasn't totally followed through with all the time, for adultery would be death. And so she knows maybe my life will be required of me from this obedience. This is not a simple yes. Like the context of Mary saying, I am your servant. Let it happen to me according to your word is astounding. And it should be marked by us. And and what a foreshadowing of the child to soon be born from her womb. That Jesus would crave the will of God more than saving his own life. The will of God meant more to him than his comfort and peace of circumstance. He was anointed for a task. And here we see a servant of the Lord saying, let it happen to me according to your word. May we be the same. And Gabriel's job is done and he departs and ascends back to heaven. And reflection number two. Reflection number two is the humble servant exalted was worshipped from the womb. Worshipped from the womb. Listen, Mary wastes no time and quickly went to Elizabeth. And and this is verses 39 through 45. She goes to see and to celebrate with her cousin. Uh, And and this would have bolstered her faith because she's going to see and verify that what the angel said was true. That Elizabeth is, in fact, pregnant. And now we have two pregnant women that meet and apparently two unborn children that also meet. One filled with the Holy Spirit, and one conceived of the Holy Spirit. And listen, here sits a woman past childbearing years and a virgin, both pregnant. This is an amazing scene. Uh, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall to hear the conversations that they had over Mary's three-month vision. After 400 years of silence, God is now speaking and he's getting ready to change the course of human history. And these two women are on the front lines. Just think if you're God, is this the story you would write? Is this the way that you would bring your son into the world? I don't think so. And these are the first humans to realize that the Messiah is coming. And John is found in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he announces the Messiah's presence by leaping in his mother's womb. First of all, ow, right? I would think that would hurt. I, I see some ladies saying yes. Okay, I wouldn't know, but it seems like that would not be comfortable. And usually, people wait till they're born before they start carrying out their God-given responsibilities, but not John the Baptist. He is called to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ to announce his coming. And do you understand, Mary hasn't even told Elizabeth she's pregnant yet. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, not ouch, but she prophesied, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord 
should come to me. John the Baptist was so filled with the Spirit that he leaps and announces in the power of the Spirit to his mother that this is the Lord. Don't let this be lost on you. She sees that Mary is filled with God's one and only Son. And and I, I think it should be pointed out that Elizabeth has this exciting news, and she's not jealous of Mary's greater news. The faith of these two women are commendable by Luke. Luke loves the faith of these two women. They're not jealous of one another. They're rejoicing. And listen, uh, we see their humility. And if I was this humble, I would sure be proud of it, you know? (laughs) I would let people know how great my humility is. And what God is doing, what God is doing here is amazing. And they find so much joy at being a part of what God's doing in the world. It's amazing. And notice, yeah, all of these amazing things. And, and, and it seems like Elizabeth is comparing her husband's response to Mary's in verse 45. Now just think about what Zechariah did. Remember, he's deaf and mute. We don't know if he's in the house or not. He wouldn't know. He'd be sitting there like, what's going on? In verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So blessed are you who believe this announcement from the angel. And Mary was blessed because she was favored by God to bear his son, but, but also she's blessed because she believes what God has said. It's amazing. And then... Uh, it said that she was, she was there for three months. And so she got there at six months and she left at nine months. And there's no mention of her staying to the birth of John. And, and I, I, we don't know why, but I would think that Mary wouldn't want to be around when all these people start showing up and she's pregnant. She's got to answer all of these questions. So she departs. Reflection number three, the humble servant exalted is deserving of worship from all. Mary's heart is so full after these events that she has to vent her joy. The Holy Spirit, it seems, is now on her, and she is worshiping God for who he is, what he's done for her, and what he will do through her son in the whole world. This passage, this passage deserves its own series of messages, but I will return in Christmases to come, Lord willing, to study this song. So we're only going to dip our toe in today. I'm going to hit some highlights. And, and, but I want you to see, I want you to check something out today. Interestingly enough, uh, and I don't have time to chase this down, but Mary's song ought to be compared to Hannah's song in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. You should just examine that. They are so similar. You need to examine that for yourself. And Hannah was someone that was barren, who prayed and was being mistreated and was then given the son Samuel, who would announce uh, Jesus, or the, the Savior will, will reign on David's throne forever. But we'll see a series of four songs in the next couple chapters in the book of Luke. And when you see songs or hymns in the Bible, you'll notice, I want you to notice that, and I want you to slow down when you see these, because the author will embed their themes of their book in these songs. They will embed their themes in these songs, and that is true of the Magnificat, Mary's song. And and I want to show you this. Again, we're going to just jump into verse 51 through 53. I want to show you this. Here's what it says. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. Now 52, listen to this. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Now look at the end of verse 53. And the rich he has sent away empty. So he's brought down the mighty from their thrones and he sent the rich away empty. Now look at uh, the second part of verse 52. And exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. 
Here is a major theme in the book of Luke, and I'll keep pointing back to the Magnificat as we go through the book of Luke, because God is doing a great reversal through his son coming into the world, where he's bringing down the mighty and he's exalting the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that is nowhere more clearly seen than in the life of his son, Jesus Christ, who humbled himself and then was exalted by God. So this is a major theme that I want you to see that's beautiful in Mary's song. And in verse 40, or 54 and 55, we will see the end of her song that he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Listen, this was always the plan. God displayed incredible loyalty and long-suffering to his chosen people when he made promises to Abraham. Again, I want to point this out. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you I will curse Listen to this. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And as Joey preached on Genesis chapter 3, we're looking for this child who would come and crush the serpent's head. And we're told in Scripture that's coming through Abraham's line. And all families of the earth will be blessed through who? The son that's being announced to the Virgin Mary that she will bear. This is an amazing thing. This is an amazing thing. And as the song concluded, Luke tells us that Mary, yeah, visited about three months. I already covered that. And so how do we put some of this into practice? How do we put some of this into practice? Because we don't want to be a people that just hears the word of God and doesn't put it into our lives. And we all need to repent of pride, all of us need to repent of pride. We need to ask God to show us our pride or we will never see it. Keeping our heart in a position of humility before the Lord. Listen to me. It is a blessed position to settle your heart that no matter what comes, we respond, I am your servant. Let it happen to me according to your will. To keep your heart in that position. Listen to me. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Are you hungry for the will of God? Is it even in your mind? Is it something you're asking God, may your will be done in my life? We, we only ever think about our will being done for our lives. Listen to me. You are created by this God. He, he is the author and the finisher of our lives. He is the alpha and the omega. You need to bend your knee. He's not just Savior. He is our Lord. And he has a plan for you. He has a purpose that he's put you on planet Earth to do. And is the position of your heart, I am your servant. May it happen to me according to your will. And if not, we need to repent today. You need to repent and come to God and say, may it happen to me according to your will for my life. Listen to Isaiah 57, 15. I love this. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. Think about that phrase. Who inhabits eternity. He's transcendent. Whose name is holy. And we heard that in today's text. His name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And also, so God dwells in this high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Do you see that this transcendent God also dwells with those who are humble before him? He makes his home with those who bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you saw this, to revive the spirit of the lowly. I wonder how many of you need a revival of spirit today that comes by humbling your heart before Almighty 
God. And, and here's a question. Can Zachariah and Elizabeth get pregnant on their own and make the forerunner of Jesus to be born? Can the Virgin Mary conjure up in her own power, I will give birth to the, to the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ, on her own without the power of the Holy Spirit? I'll wait. Okay, thank you. Can you, believer, live this Christian life apart from the grace and power of the Holy Spirit? Why do we try? We need to be reminded every single day, you can't, make, you can't take one step, you can't make one inch of becoming, becoming more like Jesus Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit in you. But we live our days as if we're independent from that grace. And that shows us our pride. I want to urge you to start every day on your knees saying, Lord, I am completely helpless without you. May God remind us that we are utterly dependent upon his grace. May God give you that grace. May God give me that grace. We ought to be instructed by Elizabeth and Mary's amazement at being a part of his eternal plan. Luke loves the faith of these two women, and we are meant to be inspired by them. All who have a role in God's plan should share this wonder. Do you know that you're a part of this story? The reason why we're here today is this story lives on. It is true. And you play a role. Are you amazed? Are you playing your role? We need to rediscover the joy of our salvation. We, we become too familiar with Jesus and his promises, and, and they don't land on us like they ought to. And I wanted to bless you that of his kingdom, you're a part of a kingdom if you're in Christ that has no end. That's where we're headed. We're a part of a kingdom. One day, our faith will be made sight, and you will see and walk by the light of the glory that shines off the face of Jesus Christ. Listen, the humble servant is exalted. And, and many make Mary the main character of these verses, of these stories, but it would be a mistake. The main character of this story is the Lord Jesus Christ, the true servant of the Lord. Jesus was born from a humble servant who was the true servant that the Lord predicted through Isaiah would come. Isaiah 52, 13 through 15, listen to this. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. And if you see in the Mary's Magnificat, she calls Israel the servant of God. And that servant had failed. And the true servant that Isaiah 52 is to be born of the one singing. It says, behold, my servant, Jesus Christ, my son, shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, speaking of his death, being suspended between heaven and earth, dying for sins not his own, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred, speaking of his passion, beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So he shall sprinkle, save many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. And listen to me. Again, the prophecy said Jesus would be great. May you see the greatness of this one. And one day it will be clear to all, but may it happen today for us. Philippians 2.8 through 11 tells us, and being found in human form, this divine one mingles his divinity with humanity and being humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory God the Father. I want you to remember that broken and humbled 20-year-old. That God had been gracious to me to bring me low so that my heart was prepared to hear the good news. God started to break me down in March of 2004. In September 19th of 2004, I had heard the gospel like it was the very first time. 
Wasn't George, George's story a blessing to hear? George had heard the gospel his whole life. But when God calls, it's clear that he's calling you. And God called me September 19th of 2004. And I, like I heard it for the first time, he called me out of my death into life. And now he's brought me higher than I ever could have, imagine, uh, could have imagined. And that's not talking about being your pastor. I'm talking about in Christ, it says that we are hidden with Christ upon high. In Christ, when he saves you, do, he clothes us with the robe of his own righteousness. The scriptures say that we will rule and reign with Christ. He'll share that rightful position that is his with all who are his. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. May you humble your hearts before the Lord. And how long? In a world with no end. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful message that's found in Luke of your humble servant, exalted. Lord, Mary was a humble servant, Lord, and you exalted her. But Lord, she gave birth to the real humble servant who is exalted. And we want to praise and honor him today. We want to praise and honor you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Blessed Trinity, our one God in three persons. Thank you for our salvation. And I ask you that if there's anyone in here today that has heard the gospel their whole life or for the first time, may they know that you're calling them now out of death into life. May they bow their knee, may they bow their heart and confess Jesus Christ as Lord to your glory and believe and may you give them life in believing. God, may you give your church the us here at Redemption City, but your church worldwide, an understanding that we can't live this life without your grace. We need you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Communion's going to be passed, so please take the elements. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is for those who know Jesus. And so if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, please refrain. And I would ask that you instead of taking these elements, would bow your heart and just ask, Lord, will you save me from my sins? And that would be the very best day you've ever had in your life. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. But as these come, I, I, we're, we're about to sing a song to prepare our hearts to celebrate together, but please keep those elements. We're going to celebrate them all together at the end, and that shows not only our union with Christ by partaking of his body and his blood that these elements uh, signify, but also of our, our bond together as the body of Christ. And so prepare your hearts to, sing, uh, to, to worship the Lord. And at Redemption City Church, uh, we take seriously the invitation we see throughout Scripture to write new songs to praise our God, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And our very own Lindsay has written this one for us to use this Christmas season uh, to sing. So, yeah, you won't know it at first, but by the end, you will. <laughs> 